Hi, and welcome to the Visual Web Podcast. I'm Jilly from ViralTag. ViralTag is a platform to help businesses grow their brands on the visual web. We help businesses discover, create, manage, and schedule content on visual social media. And the coolest thing we've learned about this space is that while there are many best practices to follow, there are a lot of different pathways to success. In this podcast, we'll be talking to the pioneers of the visual web, the bloggers, the social strategists, and entrepreneurs who are creating a brand on Instagram, Pinterest, and Tumblr. We're going to learn how they're doing it, where they find inspiration, and what engagement really looks like for their brand. They'll also be sharing tips and hacks we can all try. Thanks for listening. We'd love to have you join in online. Just use the hashtag, the visual web, to share your thoughts with us on Twitter. Today, we have Brendan Schneider, who is the Director of Advancement at Swickley Academy in Pittsburgh. And um, Brendan, you manage all of the marketing for Swickley as well? I, I oversee all the marketing and um, am responsible for the social media. And we implemented a number of years ago inbound marketing, so I'm responsible for that as well. Great. Well, I'd love to kick it off by talking a little bit about kind of yourself and how you got started. I'm curious about for you, which came first, kind of an interest in social media and marketing, or was it kind of a means to an end for uh, marketing your your school? Uh, a little bit of both for sure. This is my eighth year at, uh, at school, at Swickley Academy. My first seven years, I was the director of admission, and I started in the 08-09 school year, which, if you remember, was the market crash. So uh, it did it become a means to an end when uh, I think the market crashed in October and then in November uh, stuff that we tracked, so inquiries, applications, and visits, took a nosedive and basically followed the trend of the market. So we sat around and determined that, that we needed to do something and we needed to do something differently. And that led us to inbound marketing and then social media marketing, and, um, and here we are. <laughs> cool. That's, well, I'm so interested to talk to you because, you know, we, we talk to a lot of people who are really just getting started on, you know, with social media marketing and thinking about it as a channel for them. And, you know, maybe they're in a space um, like education or nonprofits where it's not necessarily the first thing that, that comes to mind when they think about, you know, kind of how do you get started building exposure, building a brand. Um, so I'd love to talk about how you, you know, kind of how you made that decision to, to focus on social media, um, how it, and how it's kind of grown for you and, and really how you got started. Sure. The, the story was, um, and I still remember this as clear as day. We have a marketing team at school and we were sitting around our big conference table and when the market crashed and, and we were kind of dealing with our, um, you know, our interest indicators in essence tanking as well. Um, you know, I remember my head of school, my boss, saying, you know, we need to be courageous here and try stuff that we haven't tried in the past. And I think to your point, Jilly, is that we first went to um, traditional marketing methods that we hadn't done. So, example, billboards and um, placards at the uh, Pittsburgh International Airport. And I'm embarrassed to say that we even focus grouped, focus tested, and thank God we didn't do it. You know those little yard signs that you 
Yeah. You know, the little, thank God we didn't do them. But that's where I think people's minds were at school um, in terms of where to go. And I still hear that today with schools. They're not really sure. But long story short, we tried those things. And, and as the audience will probably know, um, we spent a lot of money and didn't see any bounds. You know, we didn't see the results that we needed to see. And um, eventually it led us to uh, inbound marketing and then social media was, of course, a piece of that and then social media marketing in and of itself. And for me, it was the finding or the, the I found the inbound marketing book from um, the makers of HubSpot, Brian Halligan and Dharmesh Shaw. And that in reading that book, it was like a light bulb going off and it really resonated with me. And I thought, you know, this is what we need to do. Um, and that's where we started because – to back up even a little bit, because the one thing I've learned is that, um, you know, it's okay to make mistakes because you're going to. And the nice thing in this world, the digital marketing world, is that your mistakes are, I mean, the mistakes are going to be lack of interest. So you're just going to, you know, put out a campaign or initiative and, and the mistake will be that nobody pays attention. Um, but I remember going through that whole process and I still remember being in that meeting again. And after kind of our failure with billboards and the placards at the airport, you know, we thought – Hey, we'll launch a Facebook page and a social uh, Twitter account, and that will solve all our problems. And we quickly realized that those two things by itself aren't going to solve the problems. You know, it has to be part of a bigger process. And and um, and we've been tweaking and experimenting for the last uh, what seven and a half years now. Yeah, and and I really I recently um, came across your Pinterest page, which was yeah. kind of what drew your attention or drew my attention to you. Um, what channels have been most successful for you? Has it been Pinterest? If looking at our analytics, Facebook is still the most important mm -hmm. for us. Um, it drives the most traffic by about a factor of two compared to Twitter and Pinterest. Um, the thing for us, at least so, so Facebook is number one and has remained number one. So our audience is there. Uh, again, Twitter's driving traffic, but Pinterest, depending on the month will be two. Or if it's not two now, it's about, you know, it's tied with Twitter. Um, and then we also have Instagram, which, uh, you know, for us, we're really thinking of it, thinking of it more as a retention piece um, because our middle school kids and high school kids have really blown up using Instagram, although I'm now seeing uh, some older, some parents and parents of alums jumping on the channel. But for us, at least with Instagram, it's a challenge because it's hard to drive people uh, you know, back to where you want them to convert them because, you know, you can put the link in the profile, but the link can't change and on and on. Um, I personally love Google plus, but our audience is not there. So we, we keep the Google plus page and share great things. And, and I'm holding on to that, um, just really to get our content, our blog content indexed faster. And, um, where else Twitter and Pinterest. So I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did you kind of go about starting, like figuring out what your brand would be on those channels? That's a great question. It really, for us, it went back to um, another book. So I love to read, so that helps. But uh, the book was um, Utility by Jay Baer and the idea of being helpful in your marketing. So for us, um, through our definition of the persona, you know, looking at parents, and, and we wanted to be – we started to experiment and you know, the great thing again about digital marketing is that uh, analytics don't lie. So you can see what content resonates with people, what people are going to share and what they like. So we started to share stuff that was parenting focused. Um, 
I'm not necessarily, I have two young kids, uh, one's in sixth grade, one's actually in pre-K and they're both here at school, but it, you know, parents need a lot of help. They're very interested in, in, um, you know, how they can be the best parents they can be. And for us, it was a matter of putting out content and trying to share great content that is helpful for them. And we also thought that that would attract them to us. And does that differ for different channels? It's not necessarily that we change what we're sharing. We change the percentage of how much is our content versus how much is external content, um, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So Twitter, you know, Facebook, we tend to share more of our stuff, although we do try to share external things. Um, Because, you know, we found that if you just talk about yourself all the time, nobody really, I mean, they stop, they tune you out. Mm -hmm. Um, At least our audience does. Mm -hmm. So Twitter, we're starting to share, we share our stuff, of course, but we share a lot of external things, lots of different things. Um, Pinterest, we're sharing a lot of external stuff. Um, I would say that's mostly um, great things that we find that are, you know, that are related to us, but are not, not pieces of content created by us. Uh Um, Google plus is, is probably more us, but, um, you know, again, we mix in the external as well. Hope that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And like how, so that's your experience. Do you think that a lot of that is kind of true to education or marketing for educational institutions in general, or, you know, is it that parents are really active on Facebook? So Facebook is going to be a great place to be. I think it is. I think our, our audience is there for sure. We know they are. And, um, I think that's probably universal across schools uh-huh. that, that they're there. You know, that I love when I read these things, I'm reading less of them now, but I don't know, maybe a year ago, you know, the whole idea that Facebook's dead, uh-huh. um, just makes me laugh. <laughs> but <laughs> our, our audience is there. I mean, we have, and the whole idea that kids are leaving there is also, at least for us, not true. So, kids are there. Our parents are there. Our alumni are there. Parents of alumni are there. Um, you know, we have a, a, a Facebook group for our alumni and, and they light it up. There are a lot of alums there. I think that's so interesting too, that for, for you, it's thinking about these like really different people that you're speaking to. It's the parents yeah. maybe, or the decision makers and then engaging the kids. Well, the, and that's an interesting one. I think it depends what education level. So higher ed is clearly, at least I would assume, I you know, haven't marketed for for a college or university. But they're gonna they're gonna hit messages for kids a lot more. Mm-hmm. And for us, we're pre K to twelve. So you know, we have kids that you know when they're looking at us could be three, three and a half years old. So clearly, we're we're you know trying to attract their parents, and that's really the. Um, impetus for us jumping on Pinterest Mm -hmm. was, you know, it was, uh, the first social network dominated, dominated by women. And from our own internal research, um, moms tend to make the majority of the education decisions, especially for the younger children. And we jumped in and just thought we'd give it a whirl. We didn't really know where it would go. And, uh, we're actually using Pinterest ads now. Um, and, and we've had a lot of success. And the, and the thing that drives me back to Pinterest again and again is that <clears throat> the life cycle of a pin uh, seems to be forever. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. unlike a tweet that seems so fleeting and a, a Facebook post now with their algorithm change, you know, if you think of our own usage, maybe 8, 12 hours, you know, you might get a, 
a post to come back. But I mean, we get traffic months later from pins that we've done. So that's another reason I, I love Pinterest. So how are you guys thinking about success? Are you looking at kind of social media tied to, um, you know, new, new students or, or what's kind of the metric you're looking at? No, that's a really good question. And I think sometimes, um, and this isn't unique to me, but, you know, people get caught up with or, or I guess I should say that I encourage people not to get caught up in the vanity metrics, you know, the number of followers that you have and, you know, retweets or pins or like whatever. You know, for us, we, we deliberately work very hard to try to tie things back to, um, you know, in terms of students, inquiries, applications, and visits, mm-hmm. uh, which are our interest indicators that we, we track, you know, like a business every Friday, five years back and make comparisons. And then um, we're also looking at, you know, using education terms like retention. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easier to re-enroll a student than enroll a new student. So we're working very hard to um, have that retention number be as high as possible. Um, and then the great thing, the thing I'm most excited about in my new role, with the, which is Director of Advancement, is that I now oversee um, admissions, marketing, communications, alumni, and development. So I'm really excited to take these techniques into the fundraising space and see how we can, um, you know, make affect change there. And for us, again, it's not going to be, you know, my head of school has been super, super supportive and, and he's great about this, but he'll, you know, he doesn't care if, how many likes or followers we have on Facebook. You know, he wants to know, uh, you know, how's fundraising going? How's our admissions process going? So that's what we tie back to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good reminder because sometimes it, it's those, some of those vanity metrics are kind of vanity metrics, right? They go to our own, own, own ego. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I get caught up in it from time to time and have yeah. to kind of uh, reset and say, okay, it really doesn't matter. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I think if a school or, or, you know, an organization is just getting started, there is a push to get a certain amount of following um, to kind of have a critical mass. And I think depending on the, the space that you're in, that's a different number. But once you get to a certain point, it's just about it's about other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do have to remind myself uh, about that from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Too. You mentioned how, how you're going to be thinking about this in, in new roles with development. What, what sort of things are you thinking about? How do you think this will play a role for you? Well, the, the two big things, um, at least that we're thinking about now, are, you know, utilizing Facebook ads, which mm-hmm. are, um, and, and really with Facebook ads, custom audiences. So the fact that you can um, upload lists and, and Facebook can, you know, target people directly is really, really appealing. And then I think the other thing for us is just a matter, if I think of alumni, um, I did not graduate from Swiftly Academy, but again, been here eight years and uh, my kids are here now. So, you know, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid and and I love this place and and I love getting to know the alums. And and now that I'm fundraising, um, because I think of my alma maters, you know, I want to make sure that as we reach out to alumni, we're doing it, you know, I don't want them to hear from me or every time they hear from me, it's asking for money. Mm. Um, I mean, that's an important part of the process. It, it, it feeds the school, but so again, thinking to being helpful, um, you know, we've added a persona as we write for our blog, um, of alumni and, and what content can we create for them that will be helpful. So we're writing and sharing things like, 
email management tips, LinkedIn tips, um, how to stay organized now that you're in college. Uh, you know, so we're trying to produce content that, that, you know, isn't fluff that somebody could, one of our alums, really anybody, but we're gearing it towards our alums can read and feel good about like, Hey, they're still helping me out. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's really good. Um, so thinking kind of back to success, what, what are some examples of things that have worked well for you? Maybe that can be, you know, kind of, um, expanded upon another, you know, another schools or other sort of people marketing in this industry. Yeah. I, I think one of the other things, and it's, um, you know, again, I'm not sure it's social media or not, but we've had success, continued success with webinars. Hmm. Um, and it's a long story how we got there, so I'll make it short. But really what happened is that we were doing traditional open houses. So if everybody can think about that, but it was, you know, come in on a weekend, take a look at school, get a tour, meet some kids, you know, kind of that thing. And and we saw that our numbers were going down, that we're trending down in terms of attendance. And then the people we had at those events were not, you know, converting into new students, um, at a level that was good for us. So, I mean, you know, nobody's getting any, um, less busy. I mean, Mm -hmm. people are getting more busy and more busy and more busy. So time is a huge resource. So what we thought of doing was taking the programs, taking the content, at least initially, this was three or four years ago, putting it in a webinar. And what we do is, uh, it's during a weekday. We picked Thursday. I mean, you could pick any day of the week. There was no uh, rhyme or reason for that. But we were intentional of saying it's from 1230 to 1 o'clock. So our thought is, again, if we're trying to attract parents, um, you know, one of the, you're either at work and you could grab a sandwich and, and then just sit down and watch. Or, you know, if you put the kids to down for a nap and, and you know, grab a couple minutes and watch a webinar, Um and, and we do it for half an hour, 15, 20 minutes of content, about 20, 25 minutes of content, maybe five, 10 minutes of questions. And then we record them. And, and from a marketing perspective, um, you know, we've said this to people. If you can't show up, that's okay. We'll send you the – just register. We'll send you the recording. So that way then we, we get their information so we can convert them and lead nurture them and, and see if they're interested in our school. So um, – and, and the content that we've shared has changed over the years. So, again, it goes back to this being helpful in this parent education. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really an epiphany last year that we did two topics. One was um, raising boys and one was empowering girls. And they were, you know, three tips, five tips. Uh, the, the signups for that, so in terms of numbers, you know, we were getting – so for things that like about, you know, traditional school stuff – that you think about the admission process, like admission or financial aid or college guidance process, you know, we're getting anywhere roughly about 35 signups mm-hmm. for the raising boys and empowering girls. We had 70 signups. Wow. So, you know, and again, we're, we're looking for our current, we, we market this to our current families and to prospective families. So again, there's that retention piece and that recruitment piece. So, again, I don't have to be that smart to know that 70 is better than 35. So Mm -hmm. we've decided to do more parentage. We're still doing the financial aid and the college guidance because people are very, very interested in that. But um, the the webinars have been working. So we're going to continue to do those. And, you know, that's something I think anybody could take. 
I love that. It's it's a really good example too of of really understanding the segment that you're really going after. Their lifestyle is changing, so you can meet them where they are. How about some things that haven't worked? Some mistakes that um, you know people can learn from. Oh, there's. We probably don't have <laughs> enough time for all those, Jilly. But I, I think the biggest, the, the thing that pops into my head is uh, blog content, and especially self promotional blog content. Nobody cares. So, again, this was when we first launched our blog, which was a number of years ago now. And we were experimenting, which I think people need to do. You have to, you got to try stuff and, you know, get the metrics and see, Um, you know, your audience will guide you. But what we were doing, we have an annual auction every year that's held in the spring. And is a, uh, it's a, it's a wonderful event. It's a great time, but it's a great fundraiser for the school. And, and we were publishing blog posts that were kind of, um, looking back, kind of advertorial kind of things, you know, um, trying to raise awareness and excitement for the auction and talk about items. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jilly, the, the met, it, no, it was awful. <laughs> no, <laughs> n- nobody shared it. Nobody wanted to read it. It was just awful. So clearly we, we are not doing that anymore. Um, yeah. In, in terms of other big, and again, it's not about big failures the way I view it now. It's just about stuff that people don't pay attention to. Uh-huh. And again, it goes back to content. You know, we did webinars um, and we took, at least in those initial years, we took um, little informational sessions from our open houses, which we stopped doing and did them in the webinar. Uh-huh. Um, and one was about our global studies program. One was about athletics at the school, arts at the school, our academic program. They weren't really well attended. Hmm. Um, I don't know if people are just getting that content from the website already because we have, you know, we try to put everything out there. I don't know if it was one of those things with school. They're like, oh, yeah, check the box. They already have it. We're done with that. It just – they just weren't successful. So, you know, maybe that was the self-promotional stuff. They're just huh. not interested at that point. Um, that that so, sounds like it goes yeah. back to what you were talking about, just being helpful. Yeah. Finding ways to help people. It, yeah. How about, like, being an educational institution? You kind of have the you have the internal resources that a lot of businesses don't have and that you have these – you have the – the talent and people who are can teach webinars and, and share information, have knowledge to share. Is that something you kind of tap into? We do. We try to um, repurpose content as much as we can. Mm. So um, a lot of the stuff, so for example, the uh, Raising Boys and Empowering Girls webinar was content that our director of support services had already created. She already had the slides. Um, and, and she was really excited because she had, you know, she spent a lot of time creating this stuff, mm-hmm. um, and had offered it live, um, in a session, but you know, it's like a weeknight. Um, you know, I, again, going back to my own experience, we have a 12 year old and a five year old and, you know, our night is a gong show. I mean, so to, to, to carve time out to get back and to listen is really hard. So she didn't have the attendance she was hoping for, but the fact that we can, you know, it's, uh, what, what is it? Economy of scale, you know, you could create the recording and, and use it and send it out. So, so the repurposing of content, is big for us. And we look to do that as often as we can. And, and sometimes it's not just an exact 
repurposed. So we've taken, um, you know, you might have to tweak it a little bit for the, the channel that you're using, but we try to do that. The other thing that we do, at least with the blog, is trying to find um, different voices around school, different authors. And, and, you know, there's a lot of great people who can write here, um, but the problem is they're all busy. Mm. Um, so, I mean, we've gone to old-fashioned bribery, you know, uh, <laughs> looking for trading, whether it's a chocolate bar or we trade recess duty or if we can help them out in a way and they can offer a, you know, a three to 600 word blog post. That's how we make the change or the, the exchange, I should say. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. I could, I'd yeah. love to pay someone for blog and recess duty. <laughs> yeah. If, and if they can pay with, uh, you know, 450 words, we're happy. So yeah, it works. sounds like a good deal. <laughs> cool. Well, I, um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I have some, a few quick questions to wrap sure. it up. Um, one, since I know you read a lot, what was, what was the last book you read or something really, really great recently that you read? Uh, it's fun. You know, the one, the one that pops into my head is, uh, I read a, which I'll laugh at. It's a kind of young adult fiction with my son. Mm -hmm. So I won't share that one. (laughs) Um, what was Actually, the last book I read, and I can't remember the title because I'm working through it now, it, it's a, uh, another podcasting book. Hmm. Uh, I have a podcast personally, and, and one of my initiatives at school is I'm trying, uh, if I can get together, get my um, uh, get myself organized, I'd like to launch a podcast for school. So, Oh, cool. Uh, so it, it was a podcasting book, and I can't uh, remember the title right now because I'm still working through it. Cool. Well, you'll have to send that to me. I can use yeah, I will. I'm sorry, too. I can't think of something. <laughs> no problem. Um, what is one of your favorite, like, quick social media tips? Uh, I'll give you two. They just popped into my head. One is the I don't know how my life existed without Canva. Yeah. Um, so Canva.com free tool. We just subscribe to their team version and pay a little money. Um, you know, I describe it as graphic designer graphic design for dummies mm-hmm. um you know and, and really for me it goes back to again talk about books the gary vaynerchuk book jab 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 right hook which was the, really the first book that hit me over the head with the fact that you know you have to treat each channel differently um and as much as a, you know we would all like to do that it's really hard you know in terms of the people resources and times but canva allows us very quickly to create different images for different channels. And I think that really does help. The other thing is, is using tools to schedule posts. You know, I I think time is a biggest resource and, you know, I try to sit down and with all the channels schedule out as much as I can, you know, once a week and then jump in there live as need be. But those are the two big ones for me. Awesome. Those are two of my favorite tips as well. Finally, who are some, some people that, Maybe one person that you recommend our listeners follow, and it could be on any any of those channels that you're using. Um, uh, yeah, this is a – I could go through a lot of different people that I follow. It, it's funny for me because within schools, nobody's really writing about, you know, marketing for schools per se. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff that I get is through – digital marketers that are writing for business or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, and the concepts are universal. It's not rocket science. It's just 
adapting it for your space and and um, and executing. Uh, you know, it's funny. I listen to a lot of. I try to listen to a lot of podcasts um, just because I like them. And uh, Social Media Examiner, Michael Stelzner, has a great podcast. Um, I listen to uh, Pat Flynn, Smart Passive Income, which you might think, geez, that's really not for marketing at schools. But a lot of the guests that he has talk about basic you know, digital marketing concepts that are applicable, I think, really to any space. Mm-hmm. Um the, the other guy I listen to a lot is uh, uh, Chris Ducker, mm-hmm. um, who does a lot of, again, the same stuff with uh, small business, but in a lot of ways, that's what we are. Yeah. <laughs> so it works, and at least for the independent school space, mm-hmm. which is where we are. So and that, that should be enough. If, if you can listen to all those, you'll be, they put out a lot of content, so... <laughs> Awesome. Well, this is very fitting because I feel like you've given us a lot of stuff to study up on. Some great books and things to listen to. There we go. Great. (laughs) That sounds great. Well, Jilly, thank you very much. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Visual Web. There was some great advice there for anyone wondering how to use social media and platforms like Instagram and Pinterest in less traditional industries. As Brendan showed, there's really a powerful opportunity for educational institutions and nonprofits. So check out our blog for the links he mentioned and make sure to follow Sewickley Academy on social media and let us know if you try out anything that Brendan recommended and let us know how it works for you. We'll see you next time.